The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Today we are continuing the amazingly detailed story of Kenneth Lutz, NDE, and what he learned from it. If you are listening to this without benefit of Part 1, I'd suggest you don't miss listening to last week's show with Ken. Ken, welcome to NDE Radio. Oh, well, thank you much, and good morning. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine, thanks. Um, when we left off um, uh, last Monday, we were talking about how you had... R- received almost, I would call it, a warning that um, either the Bible has been misinterpreted or may actually be um, flawed in some ways. And I thought maybe we'd go back and talk about that a little bit. Okay. Uh, do, uh, do you, do, how, do, how do you feel that message was intended? Do you feel that it's, uh, you know, there's this old phrase, the devil can uh, cite scripture to his purposes, but there's also... Um, you know, there there are a lot of people out there who believe that the Bible is uh, totally correct in all of its uh, writings. How did you? Wh- how, what was the message that you got? Um, I got the message that, um, for the most part, the Bible is a good thing, and uh, that it it does good for a lot of people, but just not to put too much into it, and. Um, it shouldn't be the only thing that we have to guide us uh, towards God. There's a lot of other things. Um, and for me, I guess that personal connection to God, that when I meditate and I um, think openly, I guess you could say through my mind's eye, that um, and with my faith, you know, that God, I know you're listening, I know you're there. Um, those kinds of things give me confirmation way beyond what the Bible can do. they there's some there's some phrases in the Bible that are just beautiful and wonderful, and it, it's it's a great indication of how um, talented and, and uh, intelligent humanity really can be. But I don't know it, it it wasn't necessarily a warning that I received, and it wasn't for mankind. I think it was m- more or less meant for me to understand that. Um, there was a lot more to faith and, and understanding God and the way the universe works and whatnot goes way beyond uh, what the Bible is stating. And, um, you know, there, there's times when I hear people, I've, I've heard like um, other radio shows, for example, uh, like a Bible show where there's some very intense person talking about um, uh Oh, a particular phrase in the Bible, and then people are calling in and discussing it, and it just seems to be so intense, and we have to interpret this. That's where all the trouble seems to come in. Um, just putting too much weight on it. I can, I can hear phrases, or I can, um, I can hear something spoken that or repeated that uh, perhaps Jesus said, and I don't know. And to me, it's like in some ways I can understand maybe a little bit better what he was saying that other people seem to get. I don't know. <laughs> well, I know you you wrote um, 
God is love. We are all his children. No faith, religion, government, or organization we create on earth has the right to claim their influence and power comes from him. And I think maybe right. just personally, I think uh, uh, it's not that religion has, has corrupted us, but that um, the misuse of religion by governments and other organizations is is the problem. Anyway, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, um, to move on at this point, um, we came to a, you came to a very interesting point, and um, where you say you saw a large model of the Earth that seemed to be up on a pedestal like it was a machine. Maybe you could tell us yeah. about that. This is probably the oddest part, but um, with meditation and just um, really giving myself some space, I've. I think I've come to realize what, what it all uh, meant. Um, after I had been shown um, my various levels or uh, generations of family back in that tunnel and by the entity that I, I refer to as Mother, uh, Mother took me to other places. She didn't take me directly back to my family. Um, she took me other places and showed me other things. And so one of the places that she took me um, was to a a place where um, it appeared to be a model of the earth, and it was up on a pedestal. It was very intricate. It seems to me there were, like, lights and things uh, coming off of the surface. Um, Perhaps I saw some circular streaks of light going around it, circulating it. and I know that when I got closer to it, I was extremely interested in it because I, I've always been the type of kid that uh, machinery is something that I've always really enjoyed. I seem to have a knack with machinery. So I was very interested in it. So Mother took me there, but there was another entity taking care of this, this globe. And this other entity was more like a teacher. And uh, she was a little more, she wasn't so much loving, she was just full of information. And I believe this other entity was female as well. And I I think I remember Mother walking away uh, for a moment or just standing back and letting me talk and, and communicate with this other entity. So this other person that was maintaining this, this earth was explaining to me that all things on earth can be observed on this model. And I was looking at it closely and I, I asked, well, where am I at? Where do I fit? And all this. And, uh, she pointed, uh, down to the earth, onto the surface, and it was like she was saying, there, this is your time. This is where you belong. This is where you came from. And she, I remember her pointing to the United States. And then as she, she pointed to it, it was like all of a sudden my vision opened up and I could see events taking place down on earth. And, um, I saw something that I thought was disturbing. I didn't like it one bit because um, up until that time in my life, um, I was completely surrounded by love, acceptance, happiness. Everything was just great in my life. And I was sort of in a bubble, I guess you could say, with all that. That's the way child children are. I mean, I was I was protected and I was loved by my family. But yet, when I'm seeing this vision, I'm seeing things there's some things going on here that aren't quite so nice. And I got concerned and I asked, well, if these things are going to be happening, 
why isn't God stopping it? Why is why is God allowing these things to take place? And uh, the answer I got back from the teacher entity was a little bit stark. It was like, you're not to be concerned about these things. These things are going to take place, um, whether you're involved or not. This is your time, but uh, these are not things that you need to concern yourself with. These things are going to happen. Um, I believe what I saw, the very first thing that upset me was uh, the assassination of uh, JFK. Because when I was in the hospital and I was going through all of this, he was still alive. Um, his assassination didn't take place until I had been recovering in the hospital for several weeks. So um, I believe that's what I saw. And then I was told that this is going to trigger like a period of turmoil or a period of, of un- unsettlement um, in history. This is this is going to be the beginning of it, and I was I was a little bit upset, and I think then mother got involved again, and um, there was some discussion over whether or not this was good for me, and I think the decision was made that at that time uh, my age, it was decided that um, they were going to protect me, and so I I distinctly remember I didn't write this. Before, so this is all total new for you. I'm terribly sorry, but no, no, that's I, fine. I, I remember just being told, just sit still, um, and they sort of reached into my memory, um, into my consciousness, into my mind, and they smoothed all that out so that it wouldn't be of a major concern of mine. That my memory wouldn't be real precise. But at the same time, I was told that as I got older many of these things will come back to you. And sure enough, it has. Mm. So I'm almost positive that very first image I saw that didn't look so good that got me upset was I, I saw the assassination of JFK. I saw the, the cars and the upset people crying and all the, all that went on with it. And actually, when I got back home after the first operation, it took two operations to correct my appendix. But when I got home after the first operation, it was the very same day that JFK was buried. So I, I watched all that on black and white TV. It was very, just very sad. And some of these premonitions have continued with you, haven't they? Because you, you mentioned that you you dreamt about the Twin Towers. Yeah. Um, later in my life, I've, I've had dreams, powerful dreams, visions, I guess you could say. Um right before something major has happened in history, and, and I believe the Twin Towers is one of them. Um, it was a very startling dream. Um, so before before it actually happened, I didn't understand what it all meant, though, and that, that seems to be the way, the way it goes. I don't understand these dreams um, until something happens, and it's like, oh, okay, I saw this. But in, in the Twin Towers in particular, um, it was, gosh, it seems a couple of months maybe just a month before it actually happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a vision of a very large city with very tall buildings. And I recall seeing some buildings that appeared to be damaged, like they were smoking. And at least there was at least two buildings that I saw were damaged, but then my vision moved me way, way out into an open field. 
Um, and then my dream ended when an airplane fell out of the sky and crashed onto the ground. It was a very loud explosion. And that woke me up. My, my heart was racing. You know, I was sweating. I, I woke up frightened. Had no idea what it meant. And then, uh, 9-11 took place just a few months later and the plane in the field, I believe was the plane that crashed out in the open. But I forget. You, you mentioned Pennsylvania. I forget what state it was in. I've forgotten the town, but it, yeah, it was, um, intended probably for uh, a building in Washington, but uh, the right. passengers on board revolted and it dro- they drove it into the ground. And, the, and right. then you said that you also had a, a vision of the uh, that destructive tidal wave that, wave, that tsunami of 2004. Right, the tsunami of 2004. That was another very powerful dream. Um, I, I dreamt that I was floating above an ocean. I didn't know exactly where. I knew it was Earth, but I was floating above an ocean, um, beautiful min- moonlit ocean. And um, then suddenly I saw like a bright star uh, shining down on the ocean or deep down beneath, underneath the ocean, and it caught my attention. So I sort of floated. I floated over in that direction and was way up in the sky looking at it, and then all of a sudden, thousands, thousands of um, tiny stars uh, jumped off the surface, off the ground of the Earth, and went sailing past me. And they all kind of wailed a little bit. Um, you could almost describe it as a not too loud of a firecracker. You know how they wee, you know, kind of whistle. That's how they went. They went floating past me, and some of them went through me and on beyond and up, and I knew that they were going up to heaven. And um, I looked down on the earth, and I recognized that uh, it was a part of the ocean that was uh, close to, like, India, somewhere around in there, um, Indonesia, around in there. And then just yes. just within a week or so after that, um, then the earthquake took place. Yes. And you mentioned the the uh, Hurricane Katrina and the subway train explosion in Spain. These are all major events in, in our recent history. Uh, right. Um, by the time I had the dream about Katrina, um, terrorism had been become very much a part of our lives. And we were, you know, in the media, we were hearing a lot more about it. Well, about... I guess it would have been about a month or so before um, Katrina happened, and, and it must have been before the train explosion as well. First, first I saw the train explosion, um, and I didn't know where it was. Um, but I saw a train explode, and there were many people on board, and many people were injured. Um, but then I saw a great wall of water come and wash over um, the land, and it was a tremendously powerful wall of water that, and I knew that it was coming over a city, um, and that it, it would, it would be somewhat anticipated, but, you know, I guess it was just a warning to me that it was going to take place, and then I had no idea where, and then sure enough, Katrina happened a short time later, mm. and it was a wall of water, and it was very powerful. Yes. 
fact, they made a, a near-death experience movie based on that. Uh, can't think of the title right off the top of my head, but uh, I've got to ask this question because I'm sure it's in everyone's mind. Have you had any premonitions that have not yet happened? Um, no. It seems like it seems like everything that I, I dream seems to be associated with something that kind of makes mankind just sort of sit back and catch the breath. Mm. And those are the kinds of things I dream about. And I haven't really seen anything like that recently. Although, like about a week ago, I had a dream, but it was in regards to myself. I had a dream that um, I was sitting in front of some people who, um, they were like cyclopses, which is really odd. They only had one eye. I think what it what it meant was they had singular singular vision. Um, I recognized them as experts, and I asked them, um, "Will I have to live another life on Earth, or is this it for me? Can I finally go back?" And I was I was told I would not have to come back to Earth. So I was very happy about the knowledge. I woke up feeling very good. I mean, I I love Earth. I love living. I love <laughs> I love my family. I love my friends. I love everyone. But once you've been in heaven, uh, and especially I guess mine was a pretty strong um, experience. Once you've been up there and you know what that absolute love feels like. Oh gosh, Earth can be really hard to deal with sometimes. <laughs> I know it, it. It makes you wonder why people would want to reincarnate at all, given the descriptions that, that we get from near-death experiences. That and what amazes me is how people grab onto, hold onto, in desperation everything about Earth, everything about their lives. They're just so desperate they don't want to let go. Like this, like Earth is everything. Life is everything. No, it's not. It goes beyond, but it it may be all they know. But to be afraid of letting it go is silly. It's, it's kind of out of our hands. You know, I've almost come yes. to the conclusion that life here on Earth is actually somewhat of an illusion. In in ways, it's just not real. It doesn't feel to me. It doesn't feel as real as is um, what I felt up in heaven. Mm-hmm. The uh, the matrix, <laughs> the the Buddhist concept of uh, illusion that we live in here. Uh, now, when you um, w- when mother returned you to um, your family again, they showed you some chairs, uh, yeah. and I thought that was interesting because that's a very earth based concept uh, where a family is sitting together. But then there's also this. Uh, uh, religious notion that Jesus sits at the right hand of God and uh, the, the sitting position is I thought that was interesting that there was a chair waiting for you right there was uh, you got to keep in mind at eight years of age I had no concept uh, no idea of what a near-death experience was so I don't want anyone thinking that um, this is just something that I must have learned about and so therefore it became part of my my experience, so it it was not. It was totally new to me. Um, but yeah, um, when when I was done with the globe, and um, Mother had finished, you know, protecting me and and uh, erasing some of my memories of the future. Um, oh, maybe before we go to the chairs, though, should I tell you that um, 
with my meditation of late, I believe I'm remembering some of the things I saw, though, that I believe Mother protected oh, me. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Um, there are going to be those that are going to wonder. Um, actually, I do believe um, I did see uh, something that I think could be interpreted as the end of the world. Uh, it's probably the, it's probably in the future. I don't. I'm not so sure that um, what I saw is something that I'm I'm supposed to witness. I know there were things I was told I was going to witness, but this this part, I mean, it was just so horrible I had to turn away. Uh, I saw wars, I saw strife, I saw fighting, I saw things coming and going um, in relation to the United States. Um, but the biggest thing I saw was was the world engulfed, and I believe it was like a flame, mm. and it would have been like the end. I did not get the impression that mankind caused it, but I got the impression that it was a very natural thing that is expected to happen. And then when the uh, the burning quit, the vision of the world burning quit, I was shown that um, then everything will make sense. Then the world will finally be at peace. And it was almost as if a a very old wrong or mistake um, about the earth was finally going to be corrected and put right. And there would be much love, there would be much peace and happiness, and that everything will be okay. So I guess it's pretty easy for me to assume that humanity is going to continue beyond that that point. But Was Was this something that was anticipated to be in your lifetime? I can't say that. I'm not ready to say that. Um, but I, I think they were answering my concerns that um, why all this disruption? Mm. And I think I was shown all that because they wanted me to know that when it's all over, you'll see that everything is okay. We have to put up with all this at first. But then when it's all over, it's going to be okay. That's, that's pretty much what I was told. That it's going to be very happy and beautiful when it's all said and done. And it, it's like God is aware that all this is going to happen in advance. Mm. Um, Sounds like it's already get, already written, in other words. It's already written, already seen it. Um, I did not get any indication that mankind can choose different paths. I did not get that at all. Um, I've heard some people have come back with that message that we can choose certain things. I, I, I believe that uh, what they saw is true. They probably did think that mankind can take different directions. I was just eight years old. I didn't understand a lot of it. And I just hate to put too much into it, you know, that's all, because you can't call me a reliable source when it comes to predicting the end of the world. <laughs> you know, I just I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to jump on to another very interesting thing, and that was um, when you witnessed your own birth and when you... Oh, um, yeah perhaps played with the spirit of uh, a, a, a girl child that, that um, apparently died in utero or was was miscarriage? It was miscarried. Yeah, I, I, all my, up until, see, my mother died um, in 2012. She died in 2012, three years ago. Um, I spent a lot of time in the nursing home with her uh, as she was slowly fading away. And, um, gosh, you know, she's the one that, uh, gave me a religious background, um, in 
insisted that I go to church and Sunday school and all those things. And yet, here was all of her faith and her belief. Here she was on her deathbed, and she was starting to have doubts. And she started asking me to grant her forgiveness for all the wrongs that she had done to me in my life. And it kind of baffled me. I love my mother. I always love my mother. And none of us are perfect. Um, so it just kind of surprised me that, you know, she started demonstrating a little bit of weakness. But then she started talking about this baby that she lost. I'd never heard of it before. Now, I'm not positive that she didn't mention it to maybe my brother and sister, but we just never talked about it. I'm pretty sure my dad knew about it. But uh, she told me that she had lost uh, a baby uh, before my brother was born. Um, and she just didn't, she didn't know what to do about it. It was such an early, it was so early. She just felt sick, she said. And she went home. And Dad stayed out with his friends. And, oh, mother, forgive me for telling people this, but uh, she flushed it down the toilet. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, she felt really, really bad about it. And, um, and then, it was suddenly when she told me all this that I had, and she thought it was a girl. She said she thought it was a girl. And then I remembered, um, my, I saw my birth when I went through my near death. Um, when I saw my birth, um, my mother was on the table. Uh, the doctor was very excited. He was um, working on her feverishly. He uh, pulled me out of her with a large set of tongs. Uh, He was very rough. He was concerned because I wouldn't breathe. And on her deathbed, Mom also started talking about how my my birth was was not uh, a very good thing. Um, I was born in 55. They didn't have a a brick hospital yet. It was just a house. It was upstairs. And um, Mom told me how they used laughing gas as a way to help women with the birth pain. The doctor was a hunter, um, an avid hunter, so was my father. Uh, Dad was there, hanging around, I guess, outside the, the room. doctor decided he wanted to take a break, smoke a cigarette, and talk about hunting with my dad. So he put the gas mask with uh, uh, laughing gas next to my mother, left it turned on, and told her, now this is pretty strong. You just turn your head into it and take a breath every so often as you need it. I'm going to be gone for a while. And when I come back, we'll finish this up. So apparently she said what happened was she got to a whiff and it knocked her out. And then the mask ended up stuck on her face. And uh, she was she uh, passed out from an overdose of uh, laughing gas. And it was a strong, right. very strong dose. Now, at the, some point, you left your body. And became, yeah. you said, a, a ball of glowing energy. When uh, I went through my near death up in heaven at age eight, I recalled leaving my body while I was in birth. And I recalled the feeling. I, I recalled everything. I recalled uh, the natural birth process stalling, that my mother's body wasn't pushing me out anymore. And I was just stuck and I was squeezed and I felt like I was dying. And I backed up. They felt like I was backing up, but I, I left my body, is what I did. And um, I started floating around, and I saw all kinds of colors. 
and then I saw another entity, and it, it, I had the impression that it was a little girl, and she wanted to play, and we flew around, and she was, she was quite fast. Uh, I kind of held back. <laughs> I didn't know where I was or what I was doing. I was just a baby, but I was flying around with her, and she wanted to keep flying, and then a person came to us and uh, called us over to him. It was a man, and the man pretty much explained that I needed to go back, and the girl needed to stay there and, and let me be. So I had to go back to my body, and then I, I was born, and I saw the whole thing. Um, and it, it, I don't know. This part is a little bit baffling to me. Is how could I, as an infant, witness my own birth, and how could I remember a near-death experience at that time? Well, it was simple. When I was eight, I had a near-death experience, and I was shown my birth, and I was allowed yeah. to experience it again. So I saw it a second and, time. And you were able to meet your sister, who never uh, had a chance to live in this world, but is living in the next. I think right. that's an ama- exactly. amazing part of your story, Ken. Yeah, yeah. I was allowed to meet her. There was no name. There was no name or nothing. I, I don't even believe I was told she was my sister, but it makes sense because it was a girl, and she yes. loved to play. She didn't want me to leave. Um. So would you like to go on to the chairs again um, when Mother brought me back to my family? Or, Well, sadly, <laughs> we are once again out of time. Um, oh, okay. And uh, I, I don't think we're going to be able to uh, continue this right away, although I, I wouldn't mind at all getting back to you um, sometime later. But uh, the next few weeks are scheduled. Um, yeah, I, I think definitely I would encourage you, Ken, to write to write a book about this because it is uh, there's so much information that you have at hand and uh, I think people would be really really interested in in reading about it. Uh, my thanks to Ken Lett for sharing his profoundly fascinating NDE with us. It's really affected his life. It's given him uh, some abilities of prophecy, and uh, it, it, it's just uh, one of the most interesting stories we've had on NDE Radio. If you would like to listen to this show again or any other of our previous programs, please visit our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about IANDS, please visit that website at iands.org. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening. <laughs>